Welcome to Out of Game Episode 9. In today's episode, we discuss finding a game group, box sizes, double dates, and how to have a successful game night. This is your host, Ryan. Join me and Chris as we go out of game. Welcome to episode nine of Out of Game. So, Chris, episode nine. It's been a, it's been kind of a long day. Yeah, it's it's an interesting day. I think for both of us, uh, a little weird, and yeah. uh, both of us are extremely focused on tonight's podcast. And yeah, you know, I was thinking, although it's been a long day, there's probably nothing I'd rather do than like be at home with my family. But uh, barring that. I think being here, it's like a close second. Agreed. Maybe board games might be a second. Yeah, we could we could get a game going. This is like third. But that's still, you know, three out of a lot of things we could be doing. Yeah. So I am happy to be here. Uh, happy to start episode nine. We're approaching the home stretch. You know, we need 10 episodes to submit to the Dice Tower Network, and this is nine of 10. That's only one away, if my math is correct. That is some good math, Chris. I did that on my head. That's more math than you can usually do in a board game. <laughs> You thought one ahead. That was good. So we, uh, you know, we had an RPG topic last time, and I, I'm a little iffy on the feedback. We got some good feedback, but yeah. I feel like most of our good feedback was from people who have played RPGs before. Yeah, I think that was a. It's one of those topics that's very uh, kind of surgically liked. You know, not all the gamers play RPGs, so the. I don't want to say it's an exclusive audience, but there's a subset of our audience that probably got something out of that, uh, but not everybody. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're we're obviously more of a board game focused podcast. We'll we'll throw in an RPG topic occasionally, but we don't want to overwhelm you with that, especially if uh, if it's not you know your favorite part of gaming. Yeah, it definitely deserved an episode, though. Yeah. I mean, the, the RPGers out there, a lot of them. Will play the board games, so they will listen. But the board gamers don't all play RPGs, so we, you know, we have to try to hit that. The other thing we need to talk about some at some point is the CCGs too. Yeah, because that's also a subset of the gamers, and we haven't really got into that. Although we have some pretty interesting topics uh, for CCGs, so yeah. maybe we can hit that in a couple episodes. Uh, some big news for me. I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, so. It's not like I really did a lot to <laughs> to accomplish this. It it was kind of surreal the way it happened. But uh, Tom Vassell sent out just a tweet, which I saw that just said, you know, if you're a podcaster or a game reviewer or in the media in some way, and you're interested in joining and helping with the Dice Tower Awards, email me and let me know. So I emailed Tom uh, Vassell and said, you know, I'm the co-host and producer of Out of Game. Uh, I'd love to help with the awards and he immediately let me in and it was weird because I I joined this, uh, this group that he created, you know, there's an online, it's an online group and I could see everyone else who's a part of these awards. And it's like, like half of them are always like really well-known reviewers or like very popular podcasters. And it, I almost feel like a, like a, like I'm among giants, you know, in the, in the industry. And I'm just like this small voice, but it is cool. <laughs> Dang, my freaking phone is vibrating. <laughs> Sorry about that. Hey, you should live respond in the podcast. <laughs> it's just a tweet, so. Okay. Uh, it, it is cool to, to be a part of that, and I feel like I kind of snuck my foot in the door there. So uh, now that now that my foot's in, I'm hoping when we when we hit 10 episodes, that we're more likely to be allowed into the Dice Tower Network with our podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with the Dice Tower Awards, uh, Basically, they vote on awards that are like the people that are part of the committee are the ones who choose the awards. There's some other awards out there where it's really weird how they choose it. Like the Origins Awards are made fun of a lot because of the way it, the way it's the voting is done. Um, so I feel like the games in the Dice Tower Awards are really good games, and this actually helps me towards my goal of playing new games because my many of the games that I own, not many, but some of the games that I'm, I still haven't played yet are, are games that are nominated. So I, I need to play them in order to, to vote. But they do have a very uh, good voting system. Uh, I just think it's, a, it's probably, in my opinion, one of the better 
board game awards in the in the U.S. Uh, so I'm I'm very humbled and happy to be a part of that and excited. Yeah, that's that's pretty huge. Yeah. And then another thing I'm excited about, and I wasn't initially excited about, but I am now, is there's a game on Kickstarter called One Night Resistance. You know, I saw you posted or uh, tweeted, or it was a G plus, and I have to know more about that. Yeah, it, you know, when I first saw it, I'm like, all right, this is just going to be like a reskinning of One Night Werewolf with a Resistance theme, right? And I really wasn't that excited about it. But then uh, Tom Vassell went to this, uh, it's a convention called The Gathering of Friends. And, but he, he got to play the prototype of One Night Resistance, and he, and he did a small review of it on their podcast. And, he's, and he loves One Night Werewolf, and he said this, he's, he thinks this is a One Night Werewolf killer. Wow. Like it's going to replace it. And I was shocked when I heard that. Well, if, it, if it's a killer, if it's a replacement for it, then wouldn't it be very similar? Well, it's like it's better. It's it, what he's saying oh, it's is making it obsolete. Yeah, it's making it obsolete. And 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 actually, he made a really good point as to why. So one problem with One Night Werewolf is during the night phase, you have to either have everyone make noise, uh, or you need to like play music really loud. You have to do something yeah. so you can't hear people doing things at night. Right, that's a huge problem. Yeah, it's a it's one problem with that game, and you try to ignore it, but it's it's impossible sometimes. Like. Because you have this app playing, and then someone will reach over the phone to do their thing, and it, you can hear the the sound change because they they covered the phone, for example. Right. Um, or you can just hear them touching the tiles and all this stuff. Well, in this game, everyone has a night roll, and it doesn't matter what order the rolls in which the rolls are done. Like in One Night Werewolf, you have to do them in a specific order. Well, in One Night Resistance, everyone has a night roll, and you just take turns doing them. So like. I'll open my eyes. I look at my card that tells me what I do. I do my thing. So everyone's make. I'm going to make noise because it's my turn. So it doesn't matter that I'm making noise. And then when I'm done, I close my eyes and I say mission accomplished. And then it goes to the person on my left. Yeah, but the but in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, the order that those roles happen is important. Yeah, it doesn't matter in this one. So it, it's but it's, that doesn't that add something to the game. Well, I don't know. I, I think the game is, it's like a different rule set. It's a similar style where it's a one night thing and you're doing things at night, but it, I don't think the deduction is about figuring out what order people did things. I, I mean, I haven't played it, so I don't know, but it's, it's a different enough game, but it takes out the whole problem of not having to make noise. So I, I backed that, it. That is very, yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. That's a big problem. Yeah. But we've always overlooked it just because the game is so fun and quick. But if you didn't have that and it was still fun and quick, it would be a better well, game. Well, there's other ways we could fix that, too. How? We don't make our own noise during that game. We, we play the app really loud. Yeah, but we should play something else. Yeah, but you can still hear it, though. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know. I think... I was trained definitely... as a child because I used to play these games like where you turn off all the lights and then you try to like find each other in a dark room and i was trained so you know yeah i was trained to be able to sense people when they're next to me you can like feel their energy and i can i can always tell when the people next to me do stuff but i just i try to i actually try to make myself forget because it kind of ruins it when you know that information i'm actually successful at forgetting really yeah i can it's like i can learn i learn to block it out Hmm. it's weird that i'm able to do that i can do that too just by not remembering (laughs) (laughs) yeah not intentionally though right uh, so interesting. What do you think about that? I'm interested to try it. I like both of the games. So if they're somehow merging both concepts, it's worth checking out. You know, it's one of those social games, though. So it's it's not for everybody. Right. And resistance in general, I mean, for our group has been, there's been a lot of bad blood <laughs> due to that game. I mean, more so than any other game, I think. Yeah. The, with the exception of uh, what's the the werewolf game with the the cards? Uh, Inquisition. Inquisition. Inquisition has caused some problems too. Yeah. But resistance, for whatever reason, people get very upset during that game, including myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. Yeah. But one night, yeah, definitely check that out. When's that supposed to come out? Uh, I wish I had the date. For some reason, I didn't write that down. But uh, most of the kickstarters, this this Kickstarter is being done by indie boards and cards who made the resistance. But the game is designed by the guy who designed One Night Werewolf. Uh-huh. And he has his own piece, Bezier Games. It's the guy who, you know, they gave us the games for our contest. He's the designer. They, they basically challenged him 
to make a one night resistance using the resistance universe. And this is the result of that game or that challenge. So my guess is it will be this year because their, their kickstarters are usually pretty quick and they already have all the artwork and stuff done. So I think it's really just about getting the money to, to do it. So pretty interesting. Another interesting thing that's happened to me is I went on our forums the other day and uh, they were talking about our last episode and somebody mentioned a, a board game cafe, something about playing uh, games in a board game cafe. And I've always wished that there is a board game cafe somewhere around us because the idea of a board game cafe is just really interesting to me. Like two of my favorite things combined. Right. And uh, a friend, actually one of our listeners who's a friend of mine, Aaron, got on the forum and said, oh, here's a post. There's a board game cafe opening in Evanston. And Evanston is where I work. So I looked on the map where this place was, and it's, the it's within walking distance of my office. Oh, that's not good. And I have gamers in my office. One of them, Reed, is actually a listener. Like, w- There's like a group of a lot of us. Well, there's like four of us that play board games, and there's this, all the software developers all play Magic and stuff. Like, We could just walk over into this cafe for lunch. It'd be awesome. Yeah, and when are you coming back? Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> good point. I had to restrain myself. Shouldn't probably shouldn't start a game of Caverna at the board game cafe during lunch. <laughs> no. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Uh, but it's called the Elysium Game Cafe. If anyone else is in the Chicago area, it's in uh, it's in Evanston. Uh, I would I would recommend checking it out. It's supposed to open, I think, this weekend. So I'm pretty stoked about that. That's cool. That what they didn't need to open one here in Schaumburg. Yeah, that would be great. We're broadcasting from Schaumburg. Yeah, Schaumburg. Illinois, by the way, it's a it's a metropolis here. Yeah, we're. Um, Currently broadcasting from the 16th floor yeah. of the Zurich Towers. Yeah. A little plug for Zurich. <laughs> and um, it's a nice view of the sunset right now. Not that anybody cares. But yeah, it's pretty nice. That's why we always say good night, because when we're done recording, it's like 9.30 yeah, p.m. You can see the nighttime uh, skyline. And I'm counting, what is that, seven, eight, nine, ten chairs around our table. Yeah. That's where our, our friends that... You know what we should do sometimes is we should have a an invitational game night in this room and we'll invite people to the Zerk towers and you know, you can just get like 15 visitor badges yeah. and we'll all come up here and play games together. Yeah. Maybe our listeners would be interested it's in that. A lot of tables the, certainly do that. The out of game invitational to try that sometime. <laughs> it's yeah, it's good. <laughs> Chris is thinking, yeah, I don't think I can get 15 security badges. I yeah, probably can yeah. when we're motivated. Yeah. You can do anything. It's, you know, say we have a conference call. Uh, any updates from your end, Chris? So the only update I have, I just want to talk a little bit about my the, the book that I have out, uh, Angriest Angel. Just a little teaser in the next podcast, we'll probably be announcing a contest or um, a, a signed copy of the book. It's got 17,000 reads in one month. And, Great. And Wattpad. Wattpad is an ebook site and hosted up in Canada with millions of, of uh, readers there. Uh, I've decided to forego social media in favor of an agent search. So a lot of the ideas I had on social media for promoting it, I'm not going to do because this book is is really hot right now. It's doing well, so I want to I want to go the agent route in the hopes of getting it published. And we will uh, talk about the contest rules and what we're going to do in the next episode for 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 getting a copy out there. Uh, if you want to read a review on it or just check it out, go to angriestangel.com. There's more information there. Or you can email us at uh, outgamepodcast. It's uh, at gmail.com. Yeah. And um, I obviously check the email. Right. <laughs> well, even if I did, I wouldn't remember. True. Uh, but anyway, uh, can um, read more about the what the book is all about there. But it's, a, it's kind of a big deal right now. And that's all the news I have. Looking okay. at my, my list of notes, and that's pretty much it. So I only have one more thing, and then we'll move on to a listener question. I predicted that my magic number come today would be 39. And guess what, Chris? And the number is? It's 39 exactly. Wow. I was right on. I actually think it, it made me more motivated to, to get to that number, just having the prediction out there. So I, I need to make another prediction now, which I'll announce in episode 11. For unexplained unexplained reasons. Why I love it? Because that's what I want to do. A hint, huh? Kind of a hint. No, I'm not don't. eleven. That's two episodes from now. Though. I know, but that'll be like hopefully maybe that will be our first uh, Dice Tower Network episode. That could be. You know, and people can come in and we'll have to explain what the magic number is because 
we have like 30 listeners and we might have more. So 39, and my prediction to be revealed in episode 11, I'm going to go with 33. 33. I'll take the under. (laughs) I think you can do better than that. Yeah? I don't think so. No. But I'm going to try. My goal is to get lower than that if I can. So let's say that you bought some games recently. Yeah. Somewhere. Do those games count? It depends on the game. So like, let's say you bought like a ton of them for the purposes of maybe <laughs> trades. Those don't count, right? No, because games I'm not going to play. You're not intending on playing them. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes I don't count games that I really don't. <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous. Sometimes I don't count games I own that I really don't want to play. <laughs> so, Or I don't count uh, kids' games because I have some kids' games that I've bought, but they're just sitting on the shelf waiting until my son is old enough to play games. So I don't right. count games like that. So these are actually games that I would actually play. Uh, so the number's 39. I'm going to try to get down to 33. All right, well, I think it's time to move on to a listener question. So today's question comes from Gary Chip Tanner. And I'm going to read his question now. Gary says, I've been having trouble finding other gamers in my area and have found some to be rather clickish. What is the best way to find other gamers that are open to others? Yeah, and I think this is a problem that's not uncommon. I think a lot of people are kind of, they, they have the urge to play, but it's a matter of finding the group. I know for a while, we, we had that problem with um, the RPG group is just getting more people involved. Yeah. Like when you moved to San Francisco for a while, it's like, how do you find a, a group? You know, right. so I think that's a, it's a good question. Like for me, most of my gamer friends I met through work. And if I didn't meet them through work, it's through somebody who I work with. So it's it all started with with my job. And if you're not if you're not in the IT field, it's a little hard <laughs> to find somebody that might have the same interest. So I think one of one of the ideas is I think Twitter is probably a little better than Facebook in some ways because there's more there's more public yammering outside of your friends that you already have. The friends that you already have, you probably know if they're gamers or not. And so if you if you do clever hashtag searches on keyed games that you might be interested in, coupled with in your area, then um, you might be able to hook up that way. That would be one idea. The other idea I had was, th- this is something I did once and it didn't work, but I still think it's a good idea. It's to introduce... Sounds promising. <laughs> introduce the subject of gaming in a, in a social situation where it doesn't seem likely. Like you're fishing? Yes. Just think of a way to bring it up. I did this once at a job interview just to see if the, if the guy who was interviewing me shared the same interest. And then if he did, we could bond over it and then the job would be mine. But he looked at me in a confused and bewildered <laughs> expression, so I bailed. But... <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, it's something you could do. Just like get a ping from your friends that are on the outer rim, or if you have a new acquaintance. It only takes one because you know they could belong to a group. So even if you find one pe- one person, then you could have an in there. But yeah, just a- any situation like I don't I don't know like hey, have you tried that salsa? Holy cow, that's good. <laughs> Reminds me of a time when I spilled it on my Battlestar Galactica game. Nice. And then like, <laughs> he was like, "What?" <laughs> you know, or um, I, I confused my cosmic encounter spaceship for a, a, a chip and accidentally tried to eat it. So, so <laughs> that's kind of ridiculous, I'll admit. I feel like we should go out on the street and try this with we, a microphone. Man on the street, that yeah. could be a segment. Do we, we'll just say random crap random, like that yeah, and that's see not, what people say. Hey, you'd be surprised. And I'd be like, yeah, I played that game, Cosmic Encounter. So what are some of your suggestions for Chip? I have a couple. I've actually been in this situation where I moved to a new area and had to find a game group. And I was successful. Uh, now, the way that I did it was I went on... Um, Steve, uh, Steve Jackson Games, actually, website, and they had something called a Gamer Finder on there. And I searched, I used that to search, and it came up with uh, a name, like a, a guy that lived close to me. You know, I searched my area, and his email address was there, so I emailed him. So I'm basically just like reaching out to a complete stranger. And I just said, you know, I'm interested in gaming, and they were like a role playing group. I'm like, do you guys um, 
are you open to having a new player? And he invited me over. So I went over and it was a little weird. The first night I was a little nervous because it could be like some creepo, you know, you have no idea, but it just turned out to be, you know, a group of pretty cool guys. And I, I came every week and those guys ended up being like my best friends, almost like some of my best friends that I made when I lived out there. So we had like a, I think it was a bi-weekly RPG night. And then sometimes uh, everyone wouldn't show up. So we would play Munchkin, which is how I got introduced to Munchkin, which indirectly introduced me to uh, board gaming. Uh, Hmm. And I still keep in contact with those guys. Uh, One of the guys that ended up joining later was a guy from my church, Clifford, who was a listener. So so I brought him in because I found out he was a gamer. Uh, and we would, you know, we would game all the time. So I, so I've been successful, but there's some rules that you have to kind of live by to do something like this. And the first one I have is don't be shy. If you're shy, if you're, if you're afraid to approach strangers, even through email uh, and try to try to connect, uh, it's probably not going to work out for you. You know, game gamers are sometimes very socially awkward. So let's say, let's say you just went to a random game night nearby uh, that you found out about, and that was in your hopes of finding a game night. But you know, gamers gamers can be hard to approach. We're not they're not all we're not all you know social people. So sometimes you have to take that first step of you know you may expect them to welcome you in, and so you might not say anything. Whereas it might be better for you to just take that step and introduce yourselves to them and break the ice. It might feel weird. It might feel. Like That's it's hard wrong. for an introvert, though. Yeah, but if you want a game group that should over, it should overcome your introvert feelings. So I think that would be the first one. The second is not every game group is going to be right for you. So it is a little bit of trial and error. Now, fortunately, our hobby is growing, so there are more game groups to choose from. Uh, so if you go to one and it just doesn't seem like the type of people that you'd want to game with or it just didn't work out for some reason, then try another group. And, you know, don't be afraid to drive a little bit, too. Like I drive uh, for our Wednesday night game group. I drive an hour and a half to get there from work. And then when we're done at midnight, I drive home for an hour and I get home at 1 a.m. So I'm doing a total of two and a half hours of driving to get in uh, five hours of gaming. Mm. That's that's a lot of driving, yeah. But you have to do stuff like that sometimes if you want to, you know, if you want to uh, partake of your hobby, right? You have to be willing to make that type of sacrifice. Uh, but trial and error, you know, trying different groups um, and give them a chance. You know, if you go one time and it doesn't seem right, there might be different people there next time. I would I would try going at least three times to a group before I made a decision on it. It's just like finding anything. Like let's say you're you're looking for a church or something. You don't just go one time and then make a decision. You don't go on one date with with someone and make a decision you're going to marry them. Um, maybe. Maybe. Most people don't. You almost did. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> but but you know, give it a chance. Give them Actually, hold on. two or three chances. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think you went on a date when you knew. I mean, you you knew even before that. <laughs> so I thought, oh man, bad time to take a drink. <laughs> Um, okay. So maybe that's not the if best If you're not example. me, if you're not me. Okay. <laughs> a little shout out to Esther. Yeah. Um, and then the last one I have is if all else fails, just build your own group. I've done this. This is what I'm doing right now in, at my, my game group. Uh, so how do you house. build your own group? That's a good point. Building a, a game group. It sounds like this big, when you, when you say the word game group, I think most people get a mental image of like this huge group of people, at least like five to ten people. When they when they hear the word game group, I think that's the image that most of us get. You only need one person to have a game group or to have a game night, maybe is a better way to say it. It only starts with one other person. If you can get one person that you know likes games, then you just invite them over on some kind of regular schedule and you have a game night. That's the beginnings of your group. And then what inevitably happens is you guys are enjoying your game group, your game night, and you want to share it with other people and it will catch on. You know, there's bound to be another gamer somewhere in your group of friends that is a similar personality to you and maybe has similar interests. Maybe they maybe they're into lighter games or they only know games like Monopoly or Settlers of Catan if you're lucky. Um, but they might maybe they just don't realize what's out there. 
But if you find out that they have any interest in games at all, just invite them over. Just say, hey, just me and this one other guy, we get together once a month. Why don't you come over and we'll play, you know, Sellers of Catan. And then over time, you can slowly introduce new games. To me, I think a great game group, if you could have three people on a consistent basis, to me, that's per- that's perfect. I think it's totally fine for a game group. If it's perfect. It's, it's, it's perfect enough. Three- There's some games you can't play with three, though. You can play almost any game with three, except like party games. Can you play uh, the zombie game? Dead of Winter? Dead of Winter. Yeah. With three? You can play One Night Werewolf with three. You can play The Resistance mm-hmm. with three. You know what you can't play with three players? Two-player games. Can't play two-player games with three people. Let's two people team up, which is stupid. That's brilliant. Three, three or four people, I think, is enough. So don't feel like you have to have this lofty goal of a huge it's group. It's a good point, too, because even if you do have three, it will catch on over time. That's how our group started out. I mean, Tim, when we first started, it wasn't big at all. It just grew over time. Right. So I think you're, you're right. So those would be my... And, and there is a game... I mentioned the Gamer Finder. There's the Steve Jackson Games one. Their website, I think, is just stevejacksongames.com. Um, BoardGameGeek also has a Gamer Finder. You can search in your zip code and find uh, people in your area. And then I guarantee the people you find on there are already in a game group. So you can just reach out to them through BoardGameGeek, and uh, hopefully they'll invite you to their game group. So um, that would be my suggestion is build your own if you can't find one. But try other groups, give them a chance, and don't be shy. So thanks for the question, Chip. I really liked this question. It, it 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 was a really good question. Yeah. Thanks for asking it. So I think it's time for uh, some fake it till we make it. Till we make it. To be a great champion, you must believe you are the best. If you are not, pretend you are. So two questions again. We'll we'll try to rip through these so we can get to our discussion. Uh, Last week, the Dice Tower question of the week was, does the game's box size affect your purchase decision? So, Chris, do you have any thoughts on this? I would say not really. I mean, the, a lot of games come in. You just showed me a picture of a, of a, of a table full of games, and you could see the varying sizes. So there, it, it is an issue. And just from a marketing standpoint, I would say not really. The only thing that might affect my decision to, uh, to make a purchase is if it's too big. Mm-hmm. Because... I would almost be intimidated if the box was too big and that the game was going to be too complicated, too yeah. many pieces, the setup is going to be hard, things like that. Uh, I don't want to be overwhelmed. Uh, the, the other thing, not really related to size, is the, the, I think the art would affect my purchase more than the size. So if the art was impressive and somehow drew me in, that could make a difference. Or if it was bad, that could make a difference the other way, more so versus the size. Okay. So I, I was thinking about this, and... I think in some cases it does, but I don't know if it's necessarily my purchase decision, mostly because I buy most of my games online, so I don't really know what the box size is. Well, plus, unless I mean, I've come seen on, it. are you really not going to buy it? Well, there have been cases where, so let me just give you my examples. So I had a game of, uh, that I got in a math trade of Scotland Yard, which is this classic uh, deduction caper type game, but it was in one of the old like old school board game boxes, like the long thin ones, long rectangular, yeah. and I and I and it looks like crap on my shelves. I have these I have these nice IKEA Calyx shelves, and it like sticks out and it's ugly. So then, um, some short time later, I was at like a Goodwill looking at the, at the games, of course, and I found another copy of Scotland Yard, which was a little bit newer, but it had a, a better box size. So I bought it, and I gave my other one away to someone. <laughs> I, I got it simply because it had a better box size. So the shape. Yeah, is it, more conducive to your Yeah, storage. like the aesthetics of how it looks on my shelf is important to me. Okay. I realize because there are times where I'll just go in my game room where I want to relax and I just sit there and stare at my shelves. <laughs> and I don't want to see some ugly game sticking out there. So, you know, I want, to, I want it to be aesthetically pleasing when I do that. <laughs> uh, now, another, another case. So I'll give you another example. I, um, I I still keep, have Monopoly. I still have Scrabble, Risk, and Clue. Those are the f- nothing wrong with. There's that. the four like mass market games that I still have some attachment to that I would probably play. Risk maybe not, but but I had the old ones that again that stupid box size. Yeah. So I went online looking for square versions of these games, like square box, and I found these nice 
they're like wooden box square versions that would just fit look great on my shelf, especially if they're all together, like my little mass market shelf. So I, I bought all four of them in wood, and I got rid of my old ones. Wow. So and, and the other thing that's cool about these is they're, they're like the classic editions of the game, like how they were in like the 50s and 60s, like those components and artwork, which mm-hmm. is kind of neat. Yeah, that is neat. But uh, certainly the OCD gods are smiling down on you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's bad. But I figured I could at least justify owning those games if they look cool. <laughs> yeah. But when you actually go to purchase, so you're talking about replacing it. Yeah, and that was what I was saying. Purchasing is a little different because your criteria typically for buying a game is is the game there, and then you'll buy it. <laughs> that, that's like all the criteria. I've been getting better at that. I haven't bought a game in a while. Okay. Uh, well, a while for me, which is like like over, last week, like over a month. Okay. Uh, I did actually recently have a. Uh, uh, so right now there's the Barnes and Noble Red Dot sale, mm. which is at 75% off. Go out to your local Barnes and Noble and look for some board games because they actually sell good board games there. I have no idea how this company stays in business because they usually sell everything in their store at full MSRP. Yeah, but whenever they have these red dot sales, they sell board games on like ridiculously cheap prices. Well, not to mention books are so much easier to buy at Amazon. Yeah, I just don't understand how they stay in yeah, business. Good for them though. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, this sale uh, was on. So I was looking at some games there, and there's a game there called Balderdash on clearance for 75% off. It would be like $5. And this is a party game that I know is a, like a fun game. And I've always hesitated to buy it because there's just other games I'd rather have. But for $5, you know, I, I, was, I would have bought it. But I hated the box it was in. It had this, like, it was in a square box, and that part was good. But then it had this this plastic thing like glued onto the front of the box. So it's not like you could even remove it. And it, and it was like an embossed uh, plastic, like faces of people mm-hmm. like having fun, you know, <laughs> but it's like sticking out of the box. And I, and I immediately, when I saw it, I just wanted to rip it off, but I knew if I bought it and I did that, then there'd be like these rip marks. So I, I didn't buy the game. There's another version of Balderdash that's full price. That's in like a much nicer box, the newer one. And I'm just going to wait and hopefully one day find a deal on that. Yeah, so that's marketing for you. It does make a difference. Yeah. I think that, that's the bottom line. So I think, uh, I think it, it does and for, for us in some cases. So the, the question for this week is, what is your favorite double date game? So Chris, did you have an answer for this? No, uh, I've heard about this question maybe um, 10 minutes ago. So <laughs> Sorry about that. Not really. Not, no, no time to prepare. I mean, a double date game, you're talking... You know, uh, the game isn't going to be as intense. Right. You know, you're not going to use Caverna again. You're not going to play Caverna right. on a double date. Right. So what, what do you think would be a good a good game for a double date? Um, so I think if you if you were with people who uh, who actually liked board games, uh, like even back to Monopoly, even someone who liked Monopoly growing up, I would I would choose nine times out of ten, I would choose uh Sellers of Catan, which I already mentioned mm-hmm. before. Um, or Ticket to Ride might be another one. You know, these are both gateway games that are can be played in under two hours and are easy to learn. If you had people that weren't gamers, and I would lean towards like a party game. Like at one time, uh, Esther and I got together with our friends Andrew and Carl, and we played uh, the Newlywed game because we were both newlyweds. And that was kind of... I still remember some of the hilarious stuff that came out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I would I would probably choose something like that, like some sort of uh, party game if they weren't board gamers. Um, so yeah, that's probably what those I would are, choose. Those are good. Yeah. So, anyways, that was uh, that was us faking it. So, hopefully, next time we do this segment, we won't be faking it. We'll, we actually made it. Will we still call it "Fake It Till We Make It"? I don't know. We'll have to think of a name. Maybe that could be a name. Name the segment contest. Maybe we'll we'll rename it "Faked It Till We Maked It." <laughs> we faked it and we made it. Yeah. Yeah. I call that. <laughs> yeah, we should have Tim do that. Yeah, our friend Tim is amazing at naming stuff. He probably, a little tangent, Gen Con always does this thing where you name a beer. Uh, yeah. Did it, they ever enter? Did he enter that? I don't know, but he, like, he would be the perfect person to do that. Yeah. So last year it was like the froth of Con, which right. is hilarious. And this year, I think the front runner was um, uh, Drink Long and prosper or something it was some some something with leonard nimoy right. some i don't know so it's pro- that's probably going to win if they haven't announced it yet, maybe i missed it all right i think it's time to move on to our discussion topic which ironically is also about game nights and is how to have a successful 
game night. Just overall. How to have a successful game night overall. Exactly. Not how to win. <laughs> yeah. How to, yeah. Actually having the game night. Right. Not well, being... we'll cover winning in a, in a future segment. <laughs> yeah, well, Chris might. I don't really have much to say about winning. <laughs> I don't have a lot of experience with that. What are you doing? What? Did, did you just double dip that chip? Excuse me? You double dipped the chip. Double dipped? What, what, what are you talking about? You dipped the chip. You took a bite. And you dipped again. <laughs> so? That's like putting your whole mouth right in the dip. <laughs> From now on, when you take a chip, just take one dip and end it. You know, I kind of broke my stuff into weird OCD uh, <laughs> a timeline. So I, I kind of want to start with your thoughts on, on this rather than me breaking it out my weird so, way. So I think the first thing is you want to start game night on time. Hmm. You know, I think it, it has a lot to do with what time is everybody getting there. Nobody, people aren't going to arrive in the same minute. So you're going to have some time to just kind of socialize and hang out before things get started. I would try to get it started as early as possible don't waste time with like getting food yeah. with, with planning what are we going to order with eating do those things in parallel with playing because you're really uh, missing out on maximizing your game time yeah actually i thought this is something that we've changed recently in our group which i think has been a really positive change we used to have this and i'm talking about chris and i's game group we used to have this problem where people would show up not even show up at the same time and then every person that showed up had to sit down and eat Right. So we would basically wait until the last person that showed up also finished their food. Right. And the sad thing about that was we did that for, I think, years before we realized, hey, we have a problem here. Like, <laughs> we have an efficiency problem. Because <laughs> it was getting to be like 8 o'clock sometimes before we would start playing. Right. Which is ridiculous when we're getting there at 536. <laughs> right. It was horrible. We, we lost two hours with that. So, you know, cutting down on little tiny efficiency problems like that makes a big difference. Yeah, so w- what we change now is we start playing and we have we like the Tim the host will order pizza ahead of time or like wh- right when we arrive. Mm-hmm. We'll go down and start setting up and playing and then as we're into the game then the pizza shows up. So now we're all motivated to continue the game and just go grab food and eat while we're playing. Yeah. It's saved us probably 2 hours yeah, it's worth every well. time. Yeah. Something's that simple. Yeah. So I think that's a good one. Other thoughts? Uh, other thoughts on for the for the planning. Oh, you're using phase. my you're using my segments. All right, so this yeah. is the planning section. I didn't think Chris would this would work yeah. well with your brain. You got sucked into the OCD <laughs> vortex there. So I split this up into planning, prep during the game night and after the game night, and it could be a game day. I keep saying game night, a game event. Um, so the planning phase. One thing that we use in our group is something called Doodle. So we can only meet once a month. There's this website called Doodle. I highly recommend this site. All you do is you go on there. Someone creates a doodle. It's technically doodle.com. Doodle.com. Okay. But if you type... Well, shut up. <laughs> so you get to doodle.com, and someone creates a, a, a doodle. And all it does is the person who creates it lists every potential date that they can play that month. And then everyone else gets on. He you know, go, sends out a link. Everyone else gets on. And they check off every single date that they could possibly do. And then you just pick the date that matches up for the most people. Yep. It's, it's great. I've used, I use this thing to plan a family reunion with like 20 adults, families all over the United States. And we use Doodle. Yep. And it worked amazingly. Doodle is very good for that. Yeah. So I would, I would highly recommend Doodle. If you Doodle.com. <laughs> Doodle if you have to plan. If you can't do a Google search, go to Doodle.com. Doodle.com. <laughs> The other thing that we do that I think you should do is get commitments from people. So when I'm, when I'm hosting at my house, I make people like RSVP, whether or not they're coming. Uh, because we don't actually use Doodle. When we go at my house, I have to pick the date because I can usually do like one day a month. So back to my dictatorship, I dictate the date. And then I dictate what game we're playing. And then you dictate that people have to RSVP. Yeah. So I just need to know. The reason that I think this is important is uh, if you're planning games, you need to just kind of know how many people are coming if you're planning food. Um, so just try to get commitments from people so they don't make other arrangements, you know. And try to, make, try to get the start time, like the time people are arriving. 
so if people are arriving at different times, you could kind of plan ahead and stagger the games that you're playing. Uh, and then have a, start, a, a set start and end time. I think the end time is important. Just letting people know this is when we're going to stop no matter what. Just set the end time. Like at our Wednesday group, it's always midnight. You know, it's kind of the, the final time. So those are my planning, uh, my planning comments for planning the, the game day. So how about preparation? Preparation. So this is after the planning has started and you're kind of gearing up for the game day. Yeah, you'd think that there wouldn't be much of a difference between the two, but uh, I would say make sure that you have a, ver- a good variety of games on hand. Um, variety meaning some low player count, some high player count. Um, the social games versus the technical games. Um, just to, you don't know what people are going to want to do. And we had a segment in one of our previous podcasts on how to choose a game. And that's where this would come in as well. And you want to make sure before you get into the choosing that you have a good variety there. Like at your house, the, the, you're mentioning your gaming group at your house. They're not going to want for anything there because you have, I think, every game that's been printed. So th- there's no issue. But typically when you're getting together at somebody's house, you want to make sure to have enough variety there for, for all uh, aspects. Secondly, if there's a new game being introduced, make sure somebody is prepared to explain it. Like they, they've already looked at the rules. Maybe you watched a YouTube or are at least prepared to to uh, teach the game in a way that it's not everybody shuffling through, not understanding anything. So I think preparation for the new games is important. Yeah. Uh, and what's funny about you, back to the um, having a variety of games. So Chris is laughing about the game night at my house. Well, what he's not mentioning is that I also bring a, like a giant, like four foot long bag of games to our Wednesday group, which I lug to work. And then I lug it to uh, Tim's house and I log home, back down to my game room, and I take all the games out, put it back on my shelf. I don't even know how you found a bag that big. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. If you go to IKEA, they have these long blue bags. They're for like four dollars, and they have some that have an open top. But the one you want is the one that has the zipper on the top. It's great. It's like it's like designed for board games. It's thin. It's waterproof. Four dollars. It's light too. Can't beat it. Lightweight. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um. So. Um, what was your second point? There's something I wanted to say. The new about. games being introduced and uh, oh, yeah. being able to teach them. Yeah, yeah. This is really important, actually, especially if you're if you have a short amount of time, you know, relatively short, just like a few hours. You don't want to be jacking around reading reading rules. You want to whoever's teaching the game just be ready to go. Right. So, um, so I mentioned this kind of in the planning phase, but planning games based on the player count. So, like for me. I have to, like, I know what game is going to be played at the beginning because I know how many people are coming. Sometimes I'll tailor the game night itself to um, a certain player count, and I'll, only, I'll make sure only that many people are coming. So, like, if there's a game that I know we, we can only play with four people, I'll only invite three other people so that we just have a four-person uh, game day. That's why the RSVPs are important. Yeah. And, you know, it's... Sometimes you just have to do stuff like that if you if you have certain games that you want to get played. Um, but but planning ahead on you know the games, um, we kind of mentioned food before, but planning like the food and drinks. I think having people bring snacks is a good idea. Uh, having just a plan for what you're going to do for dinner, so people aren't wondering. You know, even tell people if your if your game day is starting at like twelve or one, tell them to eat beforehand before they come. So they're not coming and it's like, oh, we have to figure out food because I didn't eat for some reason, even though it was 12 o'clock. And just, you know, if you're hosting, I really think it's important to have stuff there, like have water or and soda or drinks or whatever, beer if, if, you, if you drink. Tim always has like a stash of soda. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Yeah, and, and I do that too. My family doesn't even drink soda, but I stash my fridge with soda just for these game days. Right. Uh, and I'll go out and buy it that day sometimes. So just having that stuff, and and I think back to planning the games. Have the game ready if you can. You know, if if you're the host and you happen to be the one teaching the game, why not spend some time before people come and just set it up so you could just jump right in. Yep. Uh, so yeah, preparation. I think uh, just this is all before the games even begin. But how about when the games begin? So when the games begin. So one of the things that I think we should do more of in our group and i would recommend this to anybody is 
I don't know what they're called, but you have those tokens <laughs> with the um, the snail, the whiner, the leader. And yeah. those, where they're they're really high quality uh, game pieces, and what you do is no matter what the game is, you can kind of whip out one of these tokens and put it in front of somebody. Like if somebody's running away with with the lead, then usually Tim. You'd you'd put the the, <laughs> right. the leader token in front of him, and it's kind of a signal go after the leader it, just for fun. The reason I I think these help game night is mostly it it it's a very clever and subtle way to fix minor problems that occur. Yeah, specifically the speed. The the speed issue is probably the number one problem. I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I think in general people get along. There's not a lot of fighting and weird. Uh, chaos but sometimes the speed affects the enjoyment of the game when it slows down whether somebody's taking too long in a turn or or whatever the reason is so we have the snail token we would just kind of put it in front of them and you know get get a laugh out of it and the person who who received it kind of admits that they're taking a while but what what happens typically they usually hurry up at that point and with the snail sitting out there, you can often move it around, and if somebody else is maybe the person who originally got it out and put it in front of the first one will get it back again. I, I, I like those tokens because it, it helps move the game along a little bit. Yeah, and it's, it's, like, it's like an inoffensive way. Because if you're like, come on, hurry up. That, that it's just offensive, you know. It's and, annoying, and, and the, the person that you're talking to isn't even going to hear it. Right, they're, they're tuning you out. But when you, what's great is so the four tokens I think are the target, the uh, the slow player, the snail, the whiner, or the crybaby, and I can't remember what the fourth one I is. Don't remember. But what inevitably happens is like, let's say I put the snail in front of someone because they're taking too long. Well, and then I'm like, come on, you know, I'll like make a joke about, but then they'll put the crybaby in front of me. So it's like a little payback to me, but it, it does like, it's like a light way of saying that it's we need to speed it up a little. Right, right. And then, you know, when we start the game, we usually just put the target in front of Dave until Tim starts winning and then we move it to Tim. Exactly. Yeah. And I think every gaming group has their, their Dave and their Tim. Right. Yeah. So well, maybe their Tim. Tim is Tim, uh, Tim, the archetype of Tim is the person who usually wins. Right. He just has a way of staying under the radar for most of the game so you don't target him or go after him, and then he sneaks in and wins in the end. Yeah, and then Dave, the archetype of Dave, is the person who just, it seems like their whole goal is just to screw up your game. (laughs) Yeah, and I think those you'll see those in many, many groups. Yeah, so if you have a Tim and a Dave in your group, you you could use these tokens. By the way, if you're interested in these tokens, I actually got them from the Dice Tower Kickstarter uh, well, that's not true. I got them at Gen Con. They had them at the Gen Con booth, at their mm. Dice Tower Gen Con booth, but they were originally on their Kickstarter. And this year's Kickstarter, I got some new ones uh, that are going to be coming in. Same kind of thing, though? Yeah, so there's like the Alpha Gamer, uh, like the person who's trying to control everyone in the co-op game. You would love that, and then Shadows Over Camelot, because when it drives you crazy, when we're debating what yeah. to do. Um, and there's the Kingmaker, Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that is a good I one. I can't remember what the other ones were, but those are my two favorite. Yeah. Oh, the rules lawyer. That was one the of them. The rules lawyer. The guy who just cannot yeah. get it over get over uh, the rules. He has to look up every single rule. I actually think that's me <laughs> in a lot of cases. Yeah. And then moving on, the, the other things for uh, during the games is uh, kind of related is respect the speed of the game. Don't be a snail. Yeah. I think if it ideally you wouldn't need to use the snail token, you know, just be aware of the people in your, in the game that you're playing and you can almost sense their edginess if they're getting out their phones and things like that and just move, just move it along. I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had both of those things written down. So I had feel the mood of the group, Yeah, which maybe is a little bit different what you said, but it's essentially, you know, Let's say it's it's getting late, like ten o'clock. You don't want to bust out like a heavy Euro game in most cases when people are yeah. tired. You need to feel the mood of kind of what you think people would have the most enjoyment playing. Um, so just kind of understanding that is is important, just to be sensitive to that. And and I also wrote down keeping things moving. Now specifically, the thing that I think is probably the hardest for us to do is not letting conversation trump gaming because when we get together of course we're all friends and we want to catch up on other things but there's a point there's a line that you cross sometimes where 
it's distracting people from the game and it's making the game take it's longer. slowing it down. Yeah. yeah. Because people are talking and they're not focusing. And this could happen during a game or it could happen like at the beginning of the game night even where we're talking when we could be starting to play or get right. things set up. Right. And then if people are engaged in a conversation and there's things happening in the game, once they're done, you have to explain to them what just happened. Yeah. Because they weren't paying attention. And one time, one area that I find this very frustrating is when I'm trying to teach a game. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll have the game ready. I'm sitting there holding the rules, just quietly looking at the people sitting there. Yeah, I, I've, I've witnessed this. And they're <laughs> talking about something like not really not that, that important. important. Yeah. And I'm just patiently waiting there. And I don't want to be like a jerk, like, come on, guys, it's time to play games. You know, I, I want to just, I want to let them finish. But at the same time, it's like they're completely unaware they're, they're really of what's happening. Yeah. yeah. So, and it just delays everything when that happens. Right. The other thing is when you're playing games in parallel due to a large group, I would make sure that the table, make sure that whoever's finishing their game first has like short games that they can play while they're waiting. Just like have those on hand because you're not going to finish at the same time. The odds of that happening are, are, are slim to none. Right. And the table that finishes first should, that, that uh, is waiting for the other table, the, the game that's still going on needs to give accurate, almost done estimates. Right. <laughs> last last week we were playing, and it was it was the most bizarre thing. We kept getting almost done. Five minutes later, almost done. Thirty minutes later, we're almost done. Yeah. And then after another fifteen minutes of almost done, we broke out another game and started playing it because we we really we being at the other table, we have no idea how what almost how long. done means. And I think one of the reasons people do the almost done is you don't want to tell the other table we're not close to being done yet, or it's another 45 to 60 minutes. You you just don't want to deliver bad news. So it's the, uh, we're almost done because you want to be nice. But in reality, I would rather know, hey, they've got another hour to go. I'm not going to be upset. What we can do is get out King of Tokyo or something like that and play a game. So I was in this game that Chris is referencing, and he was in in the group that had just finished. And it was kind of a joke to us saying we're almost done. We're kind of doing it on purpose. But if you recall, to my credit, I eventually said, we'll be done in 15 minutes. And then Tim's like, oh, my gosh, 15 minutes. I thought you were almost done. But I, I gave a real. I think it was a pretty accurate estimate of when we were actually going to finish. Because I, I think we did finish like 15 minutes later. Right. But And part of it was the game we were playing. We were in, seriously, like the last phase of the last round. So... In the overall, the relativeness of the game itself, we were almost done, air quotes. Mm-hmm. But time-wise, just using time as your only reference, we were not nearly as being almost done. That's an interesting point. In percentage of all the time you've been playing, you were almost done. <laughs> right. But on the clock, it was another at least 30 minutes. Yeah, so. the three-hour game, if there's a half hour left, you're almost done. Yeah. So, yeah, almost done is, is a really probably the worst possible thing to say. Right. Unless you are almost done. So I'm going to give, from now on, I'm going to give you accurate estimates. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Another thing I'd written down is respect the speed of the game. Don't be a snail. I think you said that already. Yeah, I know. It deserves reiteration because <laughs> it's that important. <laughs> I thought you were having an ADHD moment there. Well, I kind of am because okay. it's that important to me. <laughs> okay. Um, if you're playing a long game like one that lasts all night, try to make sure the other group knows so that if you're split and you're getting into this big game, like let's say, uh, I mean, your game was close to Caverna level, I think. Maybe not that long, but we played Dead of Winter. We started after you guys and we finished before you guys, and Dead of Winter is a slow game, and it was a five-person Dead of Winter game. Yeah. So I know that was a long game you guys had gone. It's just good to kind of level set with the whole uh, the whole group so that they know, Hey, those guys are in a long game. Let's not even bother them. Yep. And now I know that game is long. We were playing the game lost legends. which I'll, I'll probably maybe talk about a little bit sometime in the future, but it was way longer than it should have been. It was the first time we played it. So we really didn't know it was going to take that long, but I would never play that game again with five people. Yeah. In fact, I'd be tempted to throw away one of the player boards, <laughs> except that they're all unique. Yeah, <laughs> It was that bad with five. So just about the games, the game choices themselves, I think at the beginning of the night, if you have a a large group, I think you should try to play something together before you split into different groups, just because it's nice to get some game in with everyone before you play. 
And like a great game for that is a game like Seven Wonders, where mm-hmm. it can play seven or eight people if you have the city's expansion, which is pretty a lot of people. Right. And and that game can be played in thirty to forty minutes. It's mm-hmm. like a perfect game for the beginning of the night. Or if you don't, if you if you want to do something lighter, you do something like Talk Talk Woodman or just some stupid party game or like a quick, just any kind of quick game. Even One Night Werewolf, if you can stop yourself from playing over and over and over. Just getting in a couple of games of that with everyone before you split up. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, because sometimes you know you want to play games with everyone, but if you if you immediately split into two groups, sometimes those two groups, because of the staggering time problem, may end up not playing any games together, like right. crossing amongst each other. Cross crossing them up. Yeah, you need two things to make that happen: a game that's quick yeah. and a game that seats a lot of people. Yeah, and there, there's a. There are games like that, but there's not a lot. Yeah, and so maybe it's good to always have a couple of those yeah. in hand. Yeah, Seven Wonders is a good example. Yeah, Seven Wonders, uh, it got to the point where every game night someone asked if we had Seven Wonders, cause, and I hadn't been bringing it, so now I think I'm just going to always bring it, yeah. just for that scenario. Yep. Uh, any other thoughts on during the game? Just one more. Um, respect the speed of the game. Don't be a snail. <laughs> good one i had it written down three yeah, times i'm surprised we didn't mention that one yet it's got to be reiterated yeah, yeah chris Don't has be to a snail he has to write th- the same thing down three times so he has three points that's right <laughs> all right so now i have the section after the game night which may not occur to people that maybe there's things to do afterwards and i don't have a lot of things but did you have anything for afterwards well the most important one is don't screw the host you know help them clean up i mean we make a we make a mess when yeah. we play, because we, we have like eight, nine people. I think we had 10 last time. 10 people eating pizza and drinking. You know, there's all the candy and everything he's got in his basement. So clean up, you yeah. know, on your way out. Minimally, take the stuff that you, the garbage that you cause and, and help clean it up. Clean up the game boards, help put away. Uh, don't be a Dave. Yeah. And like to take off. Don't be a Dave. What Dave likes to do, and you know, I'm, the, the, this might happen in a lot of the gaming groups out there. Is you have a, a player, you know, they're playing their game. The game is done, and it's time to clean up the game, and they disappear. You know, yeah. Whether it's a bathroom break, they're going to get a drink, they're going to do whatever. When you're cleaning up, it's like Dave has a teleport spell. Yeah. Like you just look over and he's gone. He's gone. There's when, a little dust cloud right, there. Right when you need help, like. <laughs> Cleaning up, so I, that that would be a big one, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and I had the same thing written down. Especially like right afterwards, help clean up. And at my house, this it's pretty involved because I have to bring like special chairs down to my basement. So everyone always helps me carry them back upstairs, and they help clean up all the trash and carry it upstairs. And 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 there, it comes at some point. I'll be like, all right, you know, that's enough. I can take care of the rest. But just the fact that they're helping, you know, is I think it's it means a lot that they they do that. And then after the game night's over is in like the next day or well, so one more I want to mention is as people are leaving, I usually try to put out feelers for the next one. Like if it's April, then I'll say, Hey, by the way, probably the third, second or third weekend of May, I'll, I'll try to have one. I, I try to just get a general idea of people's availability. Why? Cause we have doodle.com. Well, doodle. I don't com. use, well, I'm talking about my, <laughs> I'm talking about my, my game group where okay. I just dictate the dates. So I, I at least get some input first, and then I and then I set the date. Uh, that makes sense. But it just it puts in their mind like one, this is going to be a regular thing. So hopefully they're they're just they're keeping that as something they want to do like once a month or whatever. You just kind of keep continuing what you're doing. It's almost like being in sales. Like if you're in sales, you know you you, you meet with someone, but you try to set the follow up meeting before they leave, right? So it's like it's like that's what I'm doing. I'm. I'm like being a salesman. Right. I'm selling my game nights to people. Yeah. I would use a different analogy, more like um, selling a drug. Yeah. And you want to make sure that your addicts are still going to be around for That's you. That's true. So you can get them, get a commitment from them. But, but either way, I'm selling. I know. So the only other thing I had on that was, <clears throat> this is kind of an obvious, just social thing, but the host might be ready for bed and want everybody out. I mean, the, good point. It's it's their place. You know, you just made a mess there. They, they have a, their family, and they, they, he just wants to go to bed. It's past midnight on a work <laughs> night, and loitering around. Might, right. I would just at least feel, put up feelers to see if he's ready for you to leave or not, <laughs> because I know we've done that after game night. I've hung out. 
I'll start my car, and it's got a remote starter that's like 24 minutes or something. And it's off by the time I get out there because we're talking for half an hour. Wow. After the after the game, so that's that's not cool. I mean, let, let them let the poor guy go to sleep. Yeah, and not just that, but more than likely, whoever this person is probably has a spouse that is ready for you to leave as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. That's probably even more accurate. And if you want to have future game events at this person's house, it's probably good to get out. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. At the allotted end time, which right. may be one of the reasons I emphasize that. At the I beginning. think allotted end time is dumb. Per- really? Personally, yeah. But that's uh, the reason for it, though. I know. I, I remember we, we kind of glossed over that when you read it, and I, and I put up a little tick mark in my head that to maybe circle back to that. All right, well, let's, let's do it. It seems a little um, anal retentive to set an end time. Hmm. You know, people leave when they have to leave. Like, different people have to go to work and things like that. Now, for the host, maybe for the host it's important, or the host's spouse, hey, you know, our kids are in bed. We need you guys gone by midnight or whatever right if the host has an issue like that like in our case we're in the basement playing so noise isn't going to be a problem but once we're on the way out congregating and we're by the front door and we're talking and bags are shuffling and things like that that could be annoying for the spouse and and the the little kids that are that are asleep so uh that that would be the time you need to respect that but as far as setting the end time how many times have we, did, have we done that um flashing back to ken's where he would set an end time i don't know if you were participating back then but our friend ken would sometimes call out 15 minutes right 10 minutes and it was because one of the other guys nick he, he had to he had a curfew where he had to <laughs> he had to be home by a certain hour yeah and you know the rest of us wanted to keep going so and then inevitably, what would happen was Nick would leave because he had to, and we would keep going. Yeah, for at least another hour. Yeah. So I just have kind of a problem with the end time thing. Just it does. It's okay to set it. It doesn't hurt, but it's not realistic. Well, I need to clarify a couple things about this. Then, you if the host is setting an end time, more they probably have a reason. So in my case, it's like I I have a commitment with my family that I have to put my children in bed at a certain time. So. My end time is nine o'clock, and Tim Tim has never set an end time, but we've been kicked out of his house before. <laughs> yeah. So I think that we respect that end time now because something like that has happened before. But if you don't have a reason to have an end time, that's fine. But I think it's, part, it's just setting expectations. It's all about setting expectations because I have some people that come to my game day. They may not want to come for an entire day. I tell them when we're ending, and then they can decide if they want to leave earlier. That's fine. I, I have no problem with that. But if they know, okay, we're going to end at this time, it's not, it's, I'm not going to feel obligated to stay past this certain time that's been defined, then they might stay longer. But if they think there's like no end in sight and they feel weird leaving, they, it might be a bad thing. So I think just having a... And our, my end time really isn't set in stone. It's, it's more like we're going to try to end our last game around this time. It's not like we get to that time and we just stop everything and, and everyone leaves. We finish up the game we're on and then we're, we're done. So it's kind of a soft end, I guess, not a hard stop. Does that clarify? It does. That helps. Okay. Any, any, any other points of mine that you want to? No, po- <laughs> everything's good. Post game items. I think that was all I had. I couldn't come up with any, any more. I think the things that we outlined do help make a good, a good game night, successful yeah. game night. Yeah. The only other thing I had was if you want to, you could post pictures of the game night Mm-hmm. I, we feel. I feel like we always forget to do this, but the times that we do remember to take pictures, I love seeing those. I agree. Efforts. That's one of those things that, in the moment, you don't want to do because you're in you're in the middle of the game when you're busy. People aren't looking at the camera, and it's it's a little bit of a pain. But I always enjoy those afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I think the only time we do this is at like Gen Con. We we tend to take pictures at Gen Con. Yeah, we should do them more often. Yeah, if you go to our guild, BGG Guild 1990, I actually posted some pictures we took either at Gen Con or at a game night. So all these mysterious people we keep mentioning, like Tim and Dave and Nathan and Aras and Ahmad and Sarah Joel. and Joel. And I'm going to stop now. Megan. I, this, I feel like we're at the Oscars. Yeah, I'm just okay. going to edit all this out. But, but all of our <laughs> friends that I keep mentioning, <laughs> uh, their pictures are out there. So you can, you can, you can picture what they look like when, I mention, when we mention their names. Awesome. I don't know if we have any pictures of Dave, actually. 
I think I, I usually... Oh, you know, we should mention what we did with Dave. I cut his face out of my pictures, usually. <laughs> we put his picture on the zombie. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, we zombified him. There's a website where you could take any picture and upload it, turn that face into a zombie version of, of itself, and then we printed it out and pasted it on one of the zombies in the, in the game. <laughs> you didn't actually glue it to my game, did you? I think they, I think they used tape. They taped so it to the game? Yeah. It's better than the regular. Did it rip off face. the the? I don't. I honestly don't know. I think Tim orchestrated right, that. This, I'm going to have a problem now. I'm going to go look no, at this tonight go. when I get home. Okay, so we hope. Uh, hopefully, those are some some good tips if you want to host a game night or participate in a game night on how to have a successful game night. And I think that's closes out episode nine. Closes out episode nine. So good stuff I, again. BGG Guild 1990. Go out to outofgamepodcast.com. And I noticed I said the, the .com that time. Look for the little board game geek guy. He's the only, you'll know who he is. Just click him, click his face. It'll take you right to our guild. Guild is just a fancy word for forum. It's not like you're in a cult or anything with us. Or a group or a gang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doodle.com, by the way. Doodle.com. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. How, how do they do that? Twitter and Facebook, it's... At OOG Podcast. Yeah. And out of game podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us a question. So we have the questions from the contest last time that we're slowly going through, but we need more. In fact, if you'd like to just send us like 15 questions, we're okay with that. We'll answer them all eventually. We will. Send us as many questions as you want. I don't care how stupid they are. Just send them. We'll answer them. Guaranteed. Guaranteed answers on the show. Assuming that the show goes on long enough to answer all questions, which it will. Okay. <laughs> Just to clarify, I think that's done. All right, I think we're done. We're done. We're done. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please, yes, thank you. Awkward ending. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>